Well, if you brought your Bibles this morning, please turn to Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to have several passages of Scripture this morning, but our main text will be Matthew chapter 16, and we'll look at verse 1 and following, and then also Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 16 and Matthew chapter 24. I want to share a sermon that I've simply entitled, Looking for His Coming. Looking for His Coming. Matthew chapter 16, and then we'll look at Matthew 24, and then several other places you might just want to jot down for the sake of time, and, and I'll have them marked and share with you, and you can go back and read later. Looking for His Coming. Matthew chapter 16, and we want to look at verses 1 through 3. Matthew 16. And the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempted, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you shall say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can you not discern the signs of the time? You can discern the face of the sky, but can you not discern the signs of the time? There's always been a part of man that has an interest in the future. All of us have within us a desire to know what lies ahead, what's in the future. The ancients, we're told, looked even into the entrails of animals to see if those entrails in some way would give uh, an ideal of what the future would hold. We are also interested, just like the ancients were interested, in the future. Um, some people go to their horoscope. I kind of like to refer it to it as the horoscope. Uh, they're quick to go to the horoscope to see what the future holds. They go to the signs and to the zodiac. Some go to psychics. Some go to fortune tellers. Some study the trends of the times. Bill Gates wrote a book entitled The Road Ahead... He dealt with questions about what we're going to be facing in the future. What's going to happen in the coming years. So some study the trends of the times. But the fact of the matter is that there's only one who knows what the future holds. And that's God himself. Listen to Isaiah chapter 46 verse 9. Isaiah 46 verse 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there's none else. I am God and there's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall and I will do all my pleasure. Simply saying, it's only God who knows the beginning and who knows the end. It's only God who can declare the things not yet done and things that are going to be in the future. Listen to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter... 
1. I want you to listen to, listen to verse 19. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whether unto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. He says in 2 Peter 1.19, we have a more sure word of prophecy. We have the Bible today. We have God's Word today. And a great deal of God's Word deals with what's going to be happening in the future. We're told that one out of five verses in the Bible has to deal with Bible prophecy. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, we have prophecies concerning the first coming of Jesus and then the second coming of Jesus. We're told that there's 333 prophecies concerning the comings of the Lord Jesus. There are 109 prophecies in the Old Testament that deal with His first coming. In the day of the crucifixion of Jesus, the day that our Savior was crucified, 33 individual prophecies were fulfilled. Think of that. In one day... 33 individual prophecies about Jesus Christ was fulfilled. Mathematicians tell us that for eight of the prophecies to be fulfilled, the odds would have been 1 to 110th power. That means 1 with 110 zeros behind it. For eight of those prophecies to have been fulfilled... The odds would have been 1 to 110th power. Now let me illustrate that a little more clearer. Let's say, for instance, if you covered the entire state of Texas with dimes, 2 feet tall, entire state, dimes 2 feet tall, 2 feet thick, you took one dime and you colored that dime black, marked it black, laid it back in the pile, then you took a dozer, bulldozer, and you shuffled all those dimes throughout Texas. And you blindfolded a person and told that person to find that dime. The odds of that person finding that dime would be 1 to the 110th power. 1 with 110 zeros behind it. And we had 8 prophecies if we just had eight prophecies fulfilled. Thirty-three individual prophecies fulfilled in one day. Now, if all 109 prophecies were fulfilled to the exact detail of His first coming, then wouldn't it be possible that the 224 prophecies left would also be fulfilled? Amen. Now, in the New Testament, the New Testament um, is just filled with prophecies concerning the second coming. So this morning, I want us to look what time we have remaining. And I want us to look at the return of the Lord. And first of all, let me just clarify the position in which I take. Because that's very important. Because there are different beliefs and there's different positions in regards to the coming of the Lord Jesus. But, but I am a, a premillennialist, pre-trib preacher. 
That just simply means this. I believe that Jesus is going to come back to earth before the millennial. Amen. Before a hundred years, before his thousand years reign. But I'm also pre-trib. I believe that the Lord will rapture his church before that great tribulation. And then he'll come back to this earth, establish his kingdom. And then he'll reign in perfect peace for a thousand years. Now, there are a number of biblical scholars who hold this same thought. Um, Schofield Reference Bible in regards to Bibles, the Ryrie Study Bible, W.A. Criswell, Billy Graham, Jerry Vines, David Jeremiah, Paige Patterson, Adrian Rogers, Chuck Swindle, Warren Wiersbe, some of, just to mention some who have in the past and some presently, some have already are deceased. But all whom believed in the pre-tribulational, pre-millennial eschatology. And I, after studying for years, hold that same truth. Not everyone does. But I do. Now, there are signs of the times. There are indicators that Jesus is going to come soon to rapture his church or to snatch away or to call away the church. And I believe that the coming of Christ is imminent. But it's, it's not immediate. Now, there's a difference in the coming of Christ being imminent. Uh, if I say the coming of Jesus is imminent, that means, uh, or if, if it's immediate, that means that he's coming right now. But if I say that Christ, the coming of Christ is imminent, that means that Christ could come at any moment. His coming is imminent. He could come at any moment. Now, when you study the second coming, there's a danger, if you're not careful, of uh, sensationalism. In other words, if you're not careful, everything you see, you're going to say, well, that's pointing to the end of time. And so you have a danger of sensationalism. But also, there is a danger of skepticism. Now, in 2 Peter chapter 3, listen to God's Word. 2 Peter chapter 3 and I'm going to read verses 3 and 4. It says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Where is the coming? So you have scoffers. And so just as soon as you hear a scoffer today in regards to the second coming, you've just heard a prophecy being fulfilled about the second coming of Jesus. Because they will be scoffers prior to his coming. Now, the Bible teaches us not to set dates for his coming. Um, in 1844, a guy by the name of William Miller uh, set a date of 1844 and he took his followers, his disciples and they were all dressed in white robes and they went up on top of a mountain and there they began to sit and wait for the Lord and they stayed and they stayed and they stayed and they stayed until embarrassingly, embarrassingly they came down off the mountain because the Lord chose not to come that day. In 1914, Charles Taz Russell announced Jesus came in 1914. Uh, Charles Russell, uh, prominently known for Jehovah's Witnesses, he announced that Jesus came in 1914, but nobody saw him. It was a problem. 
1994, Harold Camping said that Jesus would come in 1994, but Jesus did not return in 1994. In 1988, I received a booklet in the mail entitled 88 Reasons Why the Lord Would Come in 1988. But the Lord did not come in 1988. And so it's not for us to predict the coming of the Lord, to set a date, but we're to be witnesses of His coming in order that others can prepare for His coming. According to Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 8, after the Holy Ghost comes on us, we shall be His witnesses both in Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. So if Jesus should come today... Big question is this, are you ready for him? Are you prepared for his coming? Now, there's some signs of the time. Jesus says that you can tell the approach and weather by signs, but you can't see the signs of the time. Look at Matthew chapter 24. And we want to spend a little time here. Matthew chapter 24. Now, in Matthew chapter 24, we have a series of signs that indicate the coming of our Lord. Look, if you will, at Matthew 24, uh, verse 3. It says this, And he sat upon the Mount of Olives. This is also known as the Olivet Discourse. The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, and see that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, pestilences, earthquakes, and divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another, shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now I want to I mention about four signs of the Lord's coming given by the Lord Himself. First of all, I want to share some physical signs of the Lord's return. He begins first there in verse 7, and he speaks of famines. He says, and there shall be famines. There are, seven, there are over 75 million babies born in the world. 57 million people a year die of starvation. Think of that. One out of every two people go to bed hungry in the world every night. Jesus said that there would be famines in the end time. We're told by some that before Christ comes back, entire nations would be at the point of starvation. Jesus said, before I come, there'll be famines. He says there'll be pestilences, disease in the end time. I can remember years ago going to Romania and I was in a gypsy village there in Romania and a person came up and this lady came up and had a little baby and wanted me, she said, and through the interpreter, he said, she wants you to pray for her baby. And I held the baby in my arm. It was a it was fairly, it was, I guess it was about six months old. And you could just feel the heat of that baby coming through its blanket. It, it had such a high fever. And I prayed for the baby. And then I asked, I said, what's wrong with the baby? And, and he says, uh, the baby has AIDS. Can you remember the first time you heard the word AIDS? 
Can you remember the first time you heard the acquired immunity deficiency syndrome and how it came to America? AIDS was brought into America by uh, an, a, an American airline flight attendant from Canada. Had the disease. A homosexual. Had different relationships here in the United States. And then he would tell his partners that he had gay cancer. Think of the countless numbers of people that have died from that terrible disease. He says there's going to be pestilences. There's going to be disease. There's another disease, Ebola Zarir. Ebola Zarir is a virus that's, that started in monkeys and it jumped to humans. The whole body just turns into blood eventually. We're told that entire African villages were wiped out by this Ebola virus. The Bible says pestilences will come. And then earthquakes before the end times. Earthquakes are growing uh, with intensity. Uh, the last six centuries, earthquakes have progressed 2,000%. In the 19th century, there were 2,019 recorded earthquakes. In the 20th century, there were 6,000 recorded earthquakes. So there'll be physical signs before the Lord comes back. Look at verse 29 in Matthew 24. In verse 29, God's Word says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. The powers, the dunamis, powers of the heavens, erinos, uh, heavens there, erinos means uranium. It's interesting. Some literally translate this as a sudden explosion of uranium shall be unleashed. The powers of the heavens shall be shaken. You see, we live now, we live in the, we live in the, uh, the area of the bomb, the arena of the bomb, the atomic bomb. The atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima, killed 88,000 people instantly. 110,000 lost their lives totally. From that time until now, one out of every five babies born in Japan are either born stillborn or have uh, horrible uh, disfigurement when they're born. That was with the A-bomb. Now we have the H-bomb. The H-bomb, a hundred megaton bomb. Now, how much power is a hundred megaton? I found this source that said you could drop one atomic bomb a day. Same bomb dropped on Hiroshima. You can drop one atomic bomb a day for 13 years and you would not have the power of one H-bomb. Physical signs. Then there's international signs. Said so there'll be wars. Since World War II, there's not been a day in which we were not in a battle somewhere. We had the Korea War, the Vietnam War, the Iraq War, the Afghanistan. Now there's tensions in Iran. All over this world, there's war. 
It's interesting now that war can can be waged as a, a, a global level. We have chemical biological warfare. We have atomic warheads and be fired a thousands of miles away. Why, why do terrorists hate America so? Well, I believe one reason because of our immoral lifestyle. Another reason is our support for the nation Israel. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm standing on the side of Israel. Um, I remember what God said. God said that he would bless those who blessed Israel and he'd curse those who cursed Israel. And I'm not saying Israel does everything right, but I'm saying I'm standing on the side of Israel. Amen. Amen. Ezekiel 37 and 38, those chapters speak of an invasion from the north. And we've always thought that was by Russia. We felt like Russia would invade Israel from the north. But the Russians, if you remember, the Communist Party failed there and and uh, we were wrong when it came to that prophecy but uh, we thought it would be a political invasion but now when you look at Ezekiel 37 and 38 you're going to find that each nation mentioned there has the same religious persuasion and that is Islam and so the Islamic nations will come together and they will invade the nation Israel Look at chapter 34, uh, 24, look at verse 30, uh, 32. Matthew 24, 32. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. This is interesting. When the branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that the summer is nigh. So likewise, ye, when you see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. This generation. What generation? That fig tree generation. You know in Scripture the nation Israel is known as the fig tree nation. On May the 14th, 1948, a nation that had died 2,500 years prior came back into existence as a nation Israel. That fig tree, once again, began to blossom. Just like God said it would in Matthew chapter 24. So there's physical signs, there's international signs, and then there's some moral signs. Look at chapter 24, verse 12. Chapter 24, verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Iniquity shall abound. Morals have gone. We've moved from absolute truth today to all truth is relative type truth. In other words, there's no objective morality. If it's right for you, then it's right. There's no really right and wrong. There's no, you know, it's, it's all a little gray. Jot down 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. It says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, 
fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. You know, one of the, I guess, one area in which we have declined the most in regards to morals is uh, pornography, pedophilia. Uh, we've hit the bottom morally in America. Uh, most of the violent behavior today is a direct result from pornography. Most of the violent behavior on women and on children are a direct result from pornography. All the moral problems that we experience today is an indication, my friend, that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Amen. Matthew 24, verse 12, he gives us another sign of his coming. He gives us a spiritual sign. Look at Matthew 24, verse 12. And I'm almost finished. He says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Turn to 1 Timothy 4. Let me end with this. 1 Timothy. And we want to look at 1 Timothy 4 and verse uh, 1. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So there's a spiritual sign. Some shall depart from the faith. We have a mainline denomination today that refers to Jesus as Mother Jesus and states that we're her children. Another mainline denomination at their convention suggested that the names of the Trinity should be changed. Here's what they suggested. Rainbow, Ark, and Dove... Lover, beloved, and loved. Compassionate mother, beloved child, and life-giving womb. To me, that's just an example of departure from the faith before Jesus comes. The coming of the Lord is nigh. Look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 8. He says this, All these are the beginning of sorrows. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. All of these are the beginning of birth pangs. You know, when a lady has a baby, Judy always told me, she said, You guys, y'all couldn't have a baby. Y'all couldn't stand all the pain. And I believe she's right. But... As a woman has a baby, the pains get more intense and they get closer together. And when they do that, then the birth is, is soon to be. Now, did you notice that all the things that I've mentioned this morning has happened already in every age? Amen. But in the end time, they're going to be more intensified. They're going to be more accumulated. Jesus said that when they do, you need to look up 
because your redemption is drawing nigh. Matthew 24, look at verse 42. It says this, Watch therefore. Are you watching? Watch therefore. For you know not what hour the Lord doth come. Verse 44. Therefore be ready. Are you ready? Are you watching? You see anything intensifying in the areas that I've mentioned? Are you ready? Verse 44. Are you ready? For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Years ago, there was a man by the name of Harry Truman. No, not the president. Harry Truman lived at the bottom of Mount St. Helena. 1980, geologists began to hear some strange sounds coming from Mount St. Helena. Nothing but a volcano. And they began to send out warnings to everyone that near, lived near the mountain. And they began to send out a warning that the eruption was a, a, would, would soon occur with that mountain. And they sent out warnings with speakers blaring from emergency vehicles. And people began to flee. Leave the mountain. They sent out warnings on the TV, on the radio. They had battery-operated caution lights flashing, warning people to leave the mountain because of a possible eruption. But Harry Truman and his 16 cats refused to leave that mountain. He said this, Nobody knows this mountain better than I, and she's not going to erupt. On May the 18th, 1980, Mount St. Helena erupted and poured lava at 300 miles per hour for 150 miles. It was said that Harry Truman did not even know what hit him. He had all the warnings, but he refused to prepare. Now listen, <coughs> Jesus is coming again. There's physical signs, there's international signs, and there's spiritual signs. Are you watching? Are you waiting? Are you ready? Are you prepared? Aspire heads just for a moment. Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had just to focus upon your coming. And Lord, how the prophecies were fulfilled in your first coming. And Lord, how the prophecies are being fulfilled today in your second coming. We thank you, Lord, that you loved us enough that you came and you died on the cross for our sins. You were buried. You arose from the dead. You became victorious over death, over grave, and over sin. You tell us in your word that if we put our faith and trust in you, turn to you and to nothing else, trust you as our Lord and Savior, that we would have everlasting life. You tell us that one day you are coming again. Help us, we pray, as your people to be watching and to be ready and to be telling others that we see every day of what's down the road 
what's ahead for us. And Father, we look forward to that day. Lord, we're just pilgrims passing through this old world. This earth is not my home. And so we're just passing through, and we look forward to what you have for us in heaven. So until then, help us to be what you've called us to be. Help us fulfill the mission that you've called us to fulfill. Lord, as we tell people and warn people of what's going to be approaching one day. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask Lori if she'll lead us in him.